0: One of the biggest things that I do and one of the things I pride myself on and anyone who's worked with me or works beside me or receives mentorship from me knows that the importance of asking quality questions. As I have been going through my journey through Cutco and breaking through certain barriers, I realized, well, if I'm gonna be doing something that no one has ever done before, I need to be asking the questions
1: that no one has ever asked before. Are you asking yourself quality questions? The questions you ask yourself will determine your direction, even before you find any answers. For years, Brandon Brown has been curious. Curious about himself, curious about others, curious about sales and about life. His willingness to work on his craft and constantly seek answers has made Brandon into a sales champion. His insights can catapult you ahead in your business and your life. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and our real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Mr. Brandon Brown. And Brandon has truly been one of the elite sales reps in the Cutco Vector world. Uh, for the last four or five years, uh, he started in the business 12 years ago. In fact, it was 7707 when Brandon <laughs> Brown started working with us. Uh, it's been a lucky number for you, Brandon, and uh, over $4 million in career personal sales, particularly strong here the last few years. In 2015, Brandon sold 402000 was number one in the nation in his competitive category, In 2016, Brandon sold 688,000. Was number one rep overall in the company. 2017, 769,000. Again, number one rep overall in the company. In 2018, 815,000. A number two rep overall in the company. Uh, So we are we are talking with a sales champion today. He has mentored numerous other reps, uh, both in the Western region and outside of the Western region. He has run the LA events team, which has created the prolific results at the LA County Fair on an annual basis. And Brandon is also a pioneer of uh, Cutco's, what's called their federal program, which is selling Cutco internationally uh, at military bases uh, around the world. So uh, truly, one of the elite salespeople in the company and someone that can teach a lot about sales of both Cutco and of anything else. So thank you, Brandon, for making time to be here with me today. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, fantastic. Well, let's hear a little bit about your background, Brandon, and and how you ended up being a sales rep uh, for Cutco and Vector Marketing. So take us back to the early days of Brandon Brown
0: the days before 7707 uh, so <laughs> i graduated high school that year in 2007 and uh, once i graduated i told myself i you know needed to get a summer job before going to school at cal poly and make some extra cash and so the first one of the first jobs i ever had which some people may may have heard of this restaurant it's called the soup plantation and it's essentially a buffet of sorts so i went in for an interview and uh impressed the manager so well that instead of being a busser i was a cashier so i got to have interaction with every single customer that walked in and so i started that job maybe in uh, I would say May, June timeframe of 2007 worked there for about a month, uh, to two months. And then towards the end of my term at the soup plantation, I had gotten a letter in the mail, uh, from Vector and it it was telling me what the base pay, which was $16 per appointment at the time. And It looked like a good opportunity, but I thought to myself, you know what? I already have a job. Uh, why would I need another job? So I ignored, (laughs) I ignored the first letter and, uh, maybe like two weeks later, I got another letter (laughs) in the mail. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember vividly. Sitting on my porch, mom's porch, on a glass of wine, and I'm opening up my mail, and and it was another letter, the same thing. Hey, we have this opportunity, and I asked my mom, Hey, what do you think? Like this is the second time I got this letter. You know, I'm feeling really good about my job at the soup plantation right now, making nine bucks an hour. I mean, (laughs) should I? What do you think? (laughs) And she said, You know, it wouldn't hurt to go in for an interview, at the very least. And I was like, You know what? You're right. I'll Yep. Always put yourself in a position of choice. And so I decided to go in for the interview. And I remember walking up to the office, went through the interview process. By the time I left, I was pretty stoked for what the opportunity was. I was blown away by the quality of the knives. And interesting enough, I I accepted the job, went home, my mom had no clue where we even got it from, but we had one piece of Cutco. So I was giving her the full demo of every, everything I knew at that time from the interview. And then I uh, went through training. And uh, it was probably about two weeks that I was still working at soup Plantation and with Cutco Vector at the time. And by the second week and my second paycheck, I had made more than three or four weeks working at the soup plantation. I decided this was the better path and, uh, <laughs> quit the soup plantation and went cut co, uh, for the rest of that summer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, and, and this was in Southern California, right? Around Pasadena. Is that where you started?
0: Pasadena. Yep. Born and raised. That's where I started and still am today.
1: And you're, you were a student at Cal Poly Pomona. Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I um, got my degree in business finance. Took me about five years, four and a half to five years to graduate. And during that entire time, I was selling Cutco on the side, paying my way through school, paying for books, paying for my car. Pretty much everything came out of uh, my pocket. And Cutco was the vehicle. Vector was the vehicle to make that happen.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, most... Cutco reps experience a variety of different challenges as they're getting started with the job and they kind of learn from those experiences and grow. What were some of the challenges for you as you were getting started? Yeah. So I would say there's a few that probably stand out
0: to me. Um, One was stepping outside of my comfort zone. In general, in high school, I would probably define myself uh, more of an introverted person and even today, I would probably fall more on that side of the spectrum. Since then, I've obviously learned to tap into both sides being in sales. But that was definitely something that was very uncomfortable for me. I didn't like speaking in front of you know large audiences or you know talking with people I didn't necessarily know. And so being in sales and in a job like Cutco Vector, where I was going to people's houses and demonstrating uh, the product... You know, it was uh, definitely different and unique, and so I had to really challenge myself in that way. Um, but I saw the opportunity, so that would be one of the the challenges. You know, I also, in the first few months, and and really the my whole college career, while I was selling Cutco, I was constantly being faced with the challenge of having to make a choice, make a choice between. Being popular and hanging out with my friends and having fun and doing the things they were doing that summer or any summer throughout the college years or choosing to work and, you know, build a business and work on myself and do the things that I knew were important to help like forward my career in the right direction. And there was a lot of times where. I got a lot of backlash from my friends and these are people I've known for 5, 10, 20 years and they were always giving me a hard time and so I was constantly battling that and you know I'm really happy with the decisions I made and looking on it now it was definitely I made the right decisions in choosing to work and sacrifice some time with friends and family to uh, put myself in a position where I could succeed at the highest level And I would say probably the third largest challenge was specifically my first conference I went to. I remember seeing someone sell $10,000 in Cutco for a two-week contest. I just remember looking up on that stage and being blown away by how impressive that was to be able to sell $10,000 in two weeks. And I told myself at this next conference, which they call Summer Conference 2, that I was going to sell $10,000. And so I went out and did that. I literally hit the number on the very last day, very last appointment, just barely squeaked over. But what was interesting is after that came the challenge. And it was the challenge of, well, now I have to perform at this level constantly. At least this is the story that I was telling myself, the narrative. And I began to just kind of like fizzle out of out of Cutco. At least it seemed I wasn't doing any more appointments. I was starting to like just kind of blend into the background because there was all this pressure that I was putting on myself. That hey, you need to sell at this level constantly. If you did it once, you have to do it always. And I remember my manager sharing with me like, "Hey, no one's putting this pressure on you. This is like completely self-imposed pressure." And why don't you just commit to coming to the meetings every week and doing three to four appointments while you're in school? And I was like, I can do that. That's easy. And it was just, you know, retraining myself to know that, you know, there's seasons of really hard work and then there's seasons where you don't have to work as hard and understanding the the balance between those versus like go, go, go all the time. And uh big challenge, but also valuable lessons. So those would probably be the three main challenges I experienced within my first six months on the job.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You know, w- when you think about the the expanding your comfort zone lesson, I think it's helpful for people to be reminded of why they're doing what they're doing. Like for almost any Cutco rep, part of why they're doing that is to expand their comfort zone is to grow and develop new skills and have new experiences. And for people who may be listening who are outside of Cutco, I think that's true for a lot of the things that we do. There are a lot of things we do where the, the actual purpose is for us to gain new experiences and to gain new skills. And you only get that by pushing the envelope on you know what you're most comfortable doing right now. So it was. it's awesome that you had that lesson early on. And when I think about the lesson of choices, I I also think about the idea of choosing to do things that add value in our life, that add value towards our longer-term objectives. And I don't think anybody should be, you know, sacrificing all of their friend time and family time for work, of course. And I'm sure, to be fair, that you had plenty of fun You know, during those summers also, but you were choosing to invest your time into something you knew was going to have longer term value in your life, right? Working here and being around the people that were here and gaining the skills. And, and that's probably what has helped accelerate your path in life uh, to where you've achieved far more than most anybody your age at this point. So I think that's a valuable lesson as well. So it's cool to hear about you going for a 10 K push. Knowing what came later. And uh, I'm quite certain we'll get into that here in just a few minutes, but uh, you left the business temporarily around 2014, and then mm-hmm. when you came back, it was like you were a new man. Like there was a fire and an intensity about you that I think few people have ever seen. And uh, I think it'd be helpful for people to hear, you know what brought you back to the business after that short stint away and uh, and what contributed to you going out and right away in 2015 selling over 400,000 and being number one in the nation? Yeah, absolutely. So what was
0: interesting is one of the main reasons why I left Cutco, which is around 2013, 2014, was because I had just graduated college. I had hit like the most prestigious award at that time, which was the Rolex. And I had my degree and I was like, okay, on to something else. At least this is what I thought I needed to do. New chapter, right? And also just there was a level of uh, ego that I had with myself. Is like, oh, I can't do the same job that I had when I was a freshman in college. That would look bad to everybody else, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I battled that. And so my friend had a startup company out in Temecula and he was telling me about the opportunity and he was a good friend of mine, still is to this day. And he was like, You should come out. You know, this this is a great opportunity. We could make millions together. And uh <laughs> so made the decision to move out and move out to Temecula and do that. And that lasted all about six to nine months before it basically fell flat on its face. And but that I was learned your that so was your much. MBA right there, Brandon. That was your it MBA. was. Absolutely. And I learned so much from it. I'm super grateful for everything that came about and you know from there uh, dabbled in a few other sales organizations and ultimately you know what what brought me back to Cutco was a few very simple things. Was one, I had a high level of clarity on how truly great the product of Cutco is because I was having my like past customers call me and they're like, "Hey, do you still work for Cutco? I need to buy some. I love my product." Um, I was running into family members and friends and and past customers who are sharing how much they loved the product, and so that was one thing. And the second thing was just the culture, you know, experiencing other cultures trying other things. I just realized there is a something very unique about the culture of cutco, which was that of, you know, being very supportive, being oriented towards growth and supporting people to like achieve, you know, the best version of themselves and whatever capacity that is. And so those were things that I I really loved and learned to love even more so being outside of the cutco culture, the vector culture. And so um that's why I came back. And so one of the things that really helped me have that amazing success right out of the gate, one was I was seeing what people were selling uh, the year prior I came back and I knew I was better than them. I was like, well, if they're selling this much, then I should be able to sell (laughs) more than that. (laughs) So there's definitely a little bit of the competitive drive of like, I need to show them who's really boss here. And so there was that. But even more than that was the mindset. Right, I went and left to work for another company or do a startup where I was going to be like partner, you know, in this company running a business. And I took a lot of the values and the qualities that I learned from that and implemented that into the code business and started actually running it like a business and asking myself the right question at like Cutco: business, how would I do things differently than I was prior? before I left Cutco. And asking myself the right questions was really a big needle mover for me and helping me navigate through going from selling 200, 225,000 to 3 years prior to that, to doubling my business. And as you mentioned earlier, selling 400 grand in 2015. So there was that my circle of influence, I began to pay attention to like who I was surrounding myself with. And I was also committed to doing something that had never been done before in Cutco. And so to do that, I realized if I wanted to accomplish something that had never been done before in Cutco... I would have to associate myself with people outside of Cutco. As great as the Cutco culture is, I needed to pull outside resources to really help me rise to the standard that I wanted to achieve. And so that was the first year in my entire life that I had ever actually paid someone or an organization to receive guidance, mentorship, coaching, to really help take myself to the level that I wanted to go. And... I mean, it was one of the best decisions I ever made, and because of that, it really helped have such a huge impact in what I did in 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 2015 and beyond.
1: Oh, that's outstanding! I like what you said about running it like a business. Like for anybody who grows up in Cutco, it, it usually it starts out as a summer job, and then you know they graduate from college and they have to think about what they're going to do next. And some people choose to stay here, but there has to be a mental shift from this is a summer job to this is my business now and there are there are changes that have to be made to be able to be effective as a business person i i think this is also true for anybody in any other business you know is that we go from our sort of young phase in life where it's sort of carefree and whatever happens happens and you know we're we're going to work for a paycheck a lot of times but then ultimately it's like we're going to work to build our life and you, there's a transition you have to make in how you think of it and how you view it and it's clear that you made that transition relatively quickly, and that uh, y- you quickly develop a lot of the traits of the sales champion that you are now. You talked about the 10K push period. Now, push period is a two-week sales contest in Vector that happens a few times throughout the year. And um, you talked about doing 10,000 you know, back in your first summer in twenty o seven, but ten years later, you did something quite a bit more than ten thousand in a push period and I think it'd be cool to hear a little bit about the story of that and you know what was the goal you set and how did you do this and because uh you accomplished something that uh, to this day I don't think has been accomplished uh at the same level in the way that you did it. so tell us about that yeah, so basically. You know, I have this
0: strong belief system of always, and it's part of my vision of constantly trying to explore my own personal potential. Like, what is Brandon Brown physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally capable of in all aspects of life, not just in business, but in everything else? And so I'm constantly trying to push the threshold, break through ceilings that people think are there when in in reality they're imaginary. And Redefine opportunities, and so, you know, for me, and as you know, because you you trained and and coached him, there, John Berghoff, who I think you've already interviewed, who's you know a legend in, in the Cutco world, had held this standard for a very long time. It was about seventy thousand dollars. Tyler Park broke it, sold about seventy five, I think it was at the time, and seventy five thousand dollars in this two week push period, give or take a few days, and so, you know, for me. I just knew that this was like destiny for me to tackle this challenge. It hasn't been tackled in a long time, very few have and the few that have many of them have failed at. And this was an opportunity for really for me to put myself to the test, take all the wisdom and guidance I've received and am receiving currently presently and really channel that in one specific area, which is my own physical performance, you know, through mental Fortitude and, and overcoming obstacles and challenges, and so you know, I, I believe it was 2017, and and I, I set out on a mission to break that record, which was 75,000, I think, at the time. And what's interesting is that the preparation for me personally started back when I was planning my year of where the sales going to come from. So it was about eight to nine months of like preparation planning strategy to make sure that i was going to show up ready to crush this goal and so that's what i did you know made sure i was honing my skill sets doing everything that i needed to make that happen and the contest comes the two-week period i think ours was about maybe 16 days so i think we had two extra days there and went out to sell you know seventy five thousand dollars, and I realized relatively quickly by probably day ten that I was definitely on pace for hitting it, and I had a chance to sell even more and I remember that one asked me, oh, well, you can sell the seventy five thousand or the eighty thousand and break the record or what was your initial reason for doing this to begin with? And I was like, Oh, to challenge myself to see what I'm fully capable of. And it was that powerful question that was asked to me, you know, three or four or five or about five days before the contest ended that really made the mental shift of, you know what, I'm going to really push the boundaries and push the limits. And I was like, I'm I'm going for a hundred. It was like, just made the decision that that is what was going to happen. And, So I did and I had, you know, at that point, I don't remember where I was at exactly, but I just knew I had to sell, you know, ten to fifteen thousand dollars a day, you know, (laughs) the last three or four days to like make it happen. So it's hilarious thinking that my first contest, you know, I was blown away but that I could sell ten thousand dollars in two weeks and now I'm like having to sell ten or fifteen thousand dollars. The three or four consecutive days leading up to the end of that contest, which I did, I'm calling people. Like, talk about outside your comfort zone. There was no comfort zone. It was just like I'm calling anybody that I think can buy two or three thousand dollars worth of cutco. Who do I know that can buy an ultimate set? Who do I know that can buy an ultimate set? You know, and it's just, and then you know, people were just funneling in, and so I ended up selling hundred and one, a hundred and two thousand dollars worth of cutco in that sixteen. Day period, um, which was incredible, and it was something that I'll always remember and always take with me. All the lessons that came from it, all the challenges, um, because it really helped continually like shape and mold me to
1: where I am now and the trajectory that I'm on. So great, so great! The hundred thousand uh, dollar push period that you achieved, and and the whole idea of just exploring your potential and putting your best into the entire. Push period, regardless of what the result was going to be like, not settling for the 80 grand to break the record, but running across the finish line hard. It, It echoes some stuff that Hal Elrod talked about when I interviewed Hal, and he was talking about going for three consecutive 20k push periods, which was back in 2000 and 2001, that he did that and that had not been done. At the time, and how hard it was uh, the third time for him to get there, and, and just how he just kept on running across the finish line and and how the stars align at the end, so it 's cool that uh, that you had that, such an amazing experience So look, you sold a hundred thousand in two weeks that 's incredible uh, you 've sold over eight hundred thousand in a year with Cutco good chance you 'll be over a million dollars in sales this year in two thousand and nineteen. Uh, you're one of the greatest salespeople the company has ever seen. You're perhaps the greatest salesperson the company has ever seen. There might be two or three others that would have a claim on that title, but you know what it takes to succeed in selling. And I think this would be really helpful for people to hear is like, what are some of the skills that make a sales champion and how does one master these skills? So speak to that for a little while here.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of things that go into it. If I were to consolidate it down to a few, you know, the first one, and as simple as it may be, is so crucial. And that is hard work. Like you have to be willing to put in the work if you want to become a champion in sales in any industry. You know, there are no cutting corners. There's only I need to work hard and like build this business and grind it out. Now, like I mentioned earlier on the podcast is that, that you know there's different seasons for different things to take place. So it's not like you have to do that 24-7 for the rest of your life. But I realized that for me to move the needle in the direction I wanted to go, it was going to take a high level of hard work and discipline in that arena. The second thing would be resilience, specifically because there's constantly challenges that I have faced and that anyone who's performed at a really high level will face on the business side and on the personal side. And you have to be able to take those obstacles, take those challenges and be committed enough to find a solution to overcome them. And I have found time and time again, that the larger the goal is, the larger the what you want to accomplish is, especially if it's something that's never been done before, you're going to get just as equal amount of obstacles and ch- and so you have to be able to acknowledge that, like respect the goal, respect the challenges, respect what it actually takes. People don't really respect it. They think they have an idea, but they never spend the time actually meditating and reflecting on what is it actually going to take to do what this, you know, person does or what I want to accomplish. They just see it and say, oh, I can do that or I want to do that. They don't really take the time to internalize it. So that'd be number two, you know, number three would be, Having a humble attitude and I'm constantly checking myself in this category because it's very easy when you've performed at a really high level for X amount of years to think that you know it all. And so I'm constantly like checking myself and asking myself, okay, where can I learn? Where's the biggest opportunity for growth? And when I'm listening to conferences or meetings, I really put on that hat of, okay, I'm going to find the one or two nuggets. From this message, from this talk, even if it's a topic that I feel like I could deliver just as good, if not better, because there's, you know, sometimes there's only that one little nugget from a 20 minute, 30 minute message, and that's all you need. And sometimes it's something you've already heard, but then asking yourself, am I really actually implementing this? And do my actions and results prove that I'm implementing it? Because there's a difference between acknowledging and knowing and then integrating. And then there's a difference between integrating and then actually your results showing that you're doing it. Um, and so there's these multiple phases. And so I'm always asking myself, you know, whatever's being taught, where does that fall in those categories and how can I do that better? So those are just a few um, that come to mind off, off the top of my head and we can go from there.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the, the concept of resilience really resonated for me. And I just thought about the idea that high goals are hard, right? It's like if you're setting high goals, it's by definition, it's difficult to do, particularly if you're setting goals that nobody's ever done. Well, duh, there's a reason why nobody's ever done it. It's really hard to do. And if you're taking on any challenge, that's really hard to do. You're gonna stub your toe from time to time or worse. You're gonna have a lot of uh, difficulty and you've got to be able to get past that. And that's why so many people don't achieve high goals is that they stop along that path, right? They, they they get to some type of adversity that, triggers in their mind that, oh, I can't do it. And they give up. And champions have to learn to fight that tendency mentally to want to give up, break past that, because a lot of times right on the other side of that are a, a whole new range of answers and ideas that helps you take things to a higher level. And you've clearly demonstrated that over the years. I feel like the, the idea of humility is important because it, it creates a, a hunger, creates a hunger for more when you develop that and and that that's critical as well. One of the things I've admired about you, Brandon, is that when you teach from the podium, your words are so precise and they're so effective. It's clear that you've worked on your game, you know, very much so. And I think that for anyone in sales, there are a lot of scenarios that are repeated or play out over and over again and we've gotta get good at handling those scenarios. And it's not an off the cuff, let me just throw out whatever comes to my mind approach that ends up working. It's learning the precise answers to different questions or concerns a customer might have and being able to deliver those with the right words, but also the right demeanor and the right level of confidence. And you are an expert at that. You're the best I've ever seen at that. And, and how does one develop that area
0: of being great in sales? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that I've kind of self-developed over time and have over that time period have realized how much of an impact that can make in the sales arena We're just in communicating effectively in general. And so one of the biggest things that I do and one of the things I pride myself on and anyone who's worked with me or works beside me or receives mentorship from me knows that the importance of asking quality questions. And as I have been going through my journey through Cutco and breaking through certain barriers, I realized, well, if I'm going to be doing something that no one has ever done before, I need to be asking the questions that no one has ever asked before. And so specifically, when it comes to working with customers and clients and taking them through the process from. I have no thought of buying anything, buying any Cutco right now. And then ten minutes later, twenty minutes later, walking away with a thousand, two thousand, three thousand plus order. Where does that come from? Well, it's me asking questions during in my head, and also pre and post when I'm practicing. Right? What does the customer need to feel? What does the customer need to experience? What do they need to like embody for them to go from? One point of the sales process to another point, and then all the way through to the very end. And so, asking those questions you know, if a customer gives an objection and there's something they're unsure of, me getting really clear on what the actual objection is is it what they're saying, or is it mean something else based on their body language and a few other factors that play into part? And so, anyone who's been in sales long enough knows that. I believe it's like 93% of communication is nonverbal. So even though the words are critical, there's a lot of other components to it. Your body language, your tonality, that have impact and most effect on how you communicate. And so it's taking the psychology behind what a customer needs to feel and experience, bundling that all together, and then taking them through the process. And also doing it from a place of like service and integrity. And so I can speak with so much conviction when I'm working with my customers because I know that I'm talking to them and with them with the sole purpose to make sure they leave with the best possible outcome for them and not for me. And so if they're unsure of purchasing something, but I know for a fact they can budget it and it makes sense, that product conviction, the opportunity conviction gets conveyed and transferred from me to them. So they walk away feeling confident and having trust built with me right then and there and moving
1: forward. And that relationship will be there forever. That was awesome. I love the idea of, of considering what does the customer need to feel in this situation in order to be able to make a decision? What do they need to experience in order to make a decision? And, and how are you able to bring that to them? And I know that you have studied this and you've practiced it. What are some of the ways that you study and practice your skills on a regular basis?
0: So there's a few things. One, it's spending time after every single day, or even sometimes in the moment of like a long sales day, and reflecting on the interaction that just took place. Mm. And the power of reflecting on that interaction, even if they walk away with an order. Most people are like, oh, I only want to reflect if it didn't go well. But if it went well, what are the things that went right? And how can you capture those, identify those, embody those, and bring that to the next interaction? And even if it went well, and even if they did purchase, what could you have done differently to either create a larger opportunity for them to purchase more or plant certain seeds for them to want to purchase in the future. What's your leaving piece? So there's all these components. And so it really funnels down to like the questions that you ask. And I don't necessarily have like a list of questions. It's just more of me really embracing the idea of curiosity. It's like the more curious you can be in any scenario, in any dialogue, in any conversation, personal or business you're putting yourself outside of your own shoes and in their shoes and the shoes of the environment and really making sure that you're going to be as effective as possible in that conversation. And so you can see from different lenses versus the one lens that most people look through, which is their own.
1: Yeah. Wow. The, the idea of the power of reflecting an appointment at the end of an interaction with a customer at the end of your day I can remember learning this from Jim Rohn, you know, many years ago. He used to always talk about the importance of reflection and taking time to gather up the lessons that we've learned. And so many people don't do that. It seems like such a simple, intuitive concept. It's like to make sure you gather up the lessons and ideas that you've gained today, this week, Right. So that you can invest them into tomorrow and next week and, and your future. And, and most people just sort of go along doing what they're doing day to day without ever taking that step, right? To reflect and gather up the lessons so that they can gradually refine what they're doing to make it perfect. Cause it, this is what I've seen you do in your sales approaches is just really like fine tune to the point where every time you teach, like people have their jaws open. Like, Oh my God, that was so good. And the way it got so good was it started out maybe not good or maybe half good, but you worked on it and you crafted it and you, you know, gradually got it to the point where you be, have become the best. So it's, it's well, been awesome to see you do that. Right. And so
0: what I would share with you, Dan, is that's totally true. And what's interesting is that we live in a world where there is constantly support and encouragement to look Externally for answers, validation, you know, whatever it is. And so you're constantly looking externally. You're constantly not looking inwards. When I truly believe all the answers that you need, all the reflection can come from internally, but you have to A, be aware of that, and B, get curious, and C, actually spend time, right? Create space to actually discover what that is. And so, you know the idea of white space. Like, do you have white space in your schedule? Most people don't, because again, the external constantly encouraging us go 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 twenty four seven. So you're just basically in this rat race. You're in this like rut, and you might be succeeding, and you might be succeeding at a really high level, but you're never taking a chance to take a step back and breathe and reflect, as we were talking about earlier, and see like, where am I? And am I even on the right path that I want to go? And coming up for air and realizing, you know what, I'm not on the right path. And I want to be going this direction but you'll only know that if you have the space if you have uh if you create enough you know space for yourself to go through that process and so that helps just in business in your journey in life personally or professionally and also just like working with customers and asking yourself what does this customer need to hear or feel right now to really make sure that I can have the biggest impact on them in this interaction
1: awesome awesome that was a great insight you know, I'd like to wrap this up, Brandon, by just hearing, you know, what you're most excited about for your future and, and how does Brandon Brown aspire to change people's lives in the years ahead through your work or through your influence outside of work as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's a great question. And and I would
0: just share that I've come to build such a strong love for Cutco and for Vector and the culture and the Company and the opportunity. I just think it's a beautiful thing. And I've really taken it upon myself over these last few years to really make this a place for me to impact at the highest level. And so for me, like as I shared earlier, I'm constantly working to explore my full potential. But the reason I want to do that has very little to do from like a selfish point of view, but more so of I know if I explore my full potential, I can encourage and inspire other people within the Cutco realm and even outside of the Cutco realm to explore their full potential and to test themselves and challenge themselves and grow outside of their comfort zone. And so these last few years, I've just really been able to see my hard work in a lot of different ways unfold and have that ripple effect with the people that I'm mentoring within the Cutco community, um, people that I coach and mentor outside of the Cutco community, even if it's just a friend who's looking for guidance. And I'm beginning to see them respond and want to be better themselves because they're seeing what I'm accomplishing. And so, you know, I love Cutco. I think I'll always be involved with Cutco to some capacity for the rest of my life because it's such a great platform and I've built such a great community here. Um, but you know, for me, my mission is to inspire and impact people at the highest level. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure like what that would look like long term, five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, but I know that right now the skill sets that I'm learning to be able to lead others and lead myself first and most importantly, and then lead others and help those people become leaders themselves. So then they can lead people is the path that I'm on and what gets
1: most fired up and most inspired. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, if Cutco reps or anybody outside the business want to connect with you on social media, what are the platforms that you use? So I use uh, Instagram and Facebook. They're mostly just my
0: personal accounts. I don't know what the user handles are. I guess I could look them up. But yeah,
1: (laughs) those (laughs) are are the two. Facebook and Instagram. We'll we'll get the handles in the show notes here for sure. Well, uh, Brandon, just to, to wrap this up, I can say some things about you that I've observed here in the last few years, especially getting to work more closely with you with the relationship that we've had. One of the words that comes to my mind when I think about you is thoughtful, not in, like the way of like being considerate to others. You, you are that also, but you're thoughtful in this idea of reflecting that you just talked about recently, right? Like you really think about what you're doing. You think about your life. You think about your business. And I also feel like you're deliberate, like you're very deliberate about and very intentional about what you do, how you do it, who you spend your time around. And it's a great example for people of really designing your life, designing a life. That's what you're doing. You're, of course, highly skilled. Like I am in awe, oftentimes, of the high level of skill you've developed uh, in this business, which is incredible. You do have a great work ethic, which you led off with as one of the key things that people uh, have to have to be good in sales. And And I would sum it up, Brandon, by saying that you really are the very definition of a champion. All of the things that it takes for someone to be a champion in any endeavor in life, you've got that package, you've put it together and it's been awesome to be able to work with you here these last few years and to see you continue to grow and develop. And and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your insights with the audience here today. Thanks very much.
0: Absolutely, thank
1: you. And those are
0: really kind words. I really appreciate that very
1: much. Awesome, man. Well, have a great rest of your day. All right, you too. The Great... Brandon Brown, everyone, Cutco sales champion. Wow. You know, I think it was very, very relevant where Brandon talked about the transition to running it like a business, running his work like a business. And for those of you in Cutco, You know, you might be viewing this as sort of a summer job or something to do for a while. But uh, there does come at this point where many people decide this is what they're going to stick with for a while, whether it be as a manager or as a sales rep. And uh, there's a transition that has to be made to run this business, you know, uh, in the right manner. And Brandon made that as a sales rep. He talked about exploring his own potential. And I loved that part of the interview and, 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 and how valuable that was, but exploring his own potential and what's possible. And, and, and for so many people here could think about how you could do that, uh, and set big goals. And then it's important to respect the challenge. As he said, somebody once taught me, don't underestimate the challenge and don't overestimate yourself. And for a lot of people who, you know, work in vector and succeed as a sales rep, we, we tend to think like, okay, it's going to be great everywhere we go. We're going to do well everywhere we go, but it doesn't always happen. In that manner and in anything you do there tends to be a learning curve that's necessary and it's important not to underestimate that challenge or overestimate yourself the power of reflection and how valuable that can be and then of course never forgetting the importance of simple hard work simple hard work is an important part of getting to where we want to be in anything i hope you enjoyed this interview with one of the top cutco sales people of all time Mr. Brandon Brown, have a great rest of your day, and let's all encourage and inspire everyone around us to achieve their full potential as Brandon Brown has set out to do. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.